I believe we are on. We're live. Welcome to everybody out there on Facebook and YouTube. We are very happy to have you uh, back to join us here on uh, TW Now for the TW Now program. Really excited about today's show. I always am. Let's go to a wide shot and you'll see who the guests are today. <clears throat> we have Dr. Doug Winnell and Mr. Gerald Weston, uh, both evangelists with the church. Dr. Winnell is in charge of the uh, ministerial services for the Living Church of God and helps with all kinds of things all around the world. And Mr. Weston is a, also an evangelist and is the presiding evangelist of the church now and is involved in all kinds of, of things. We have an interesting topic uh, today, which really does affect uh, all of us. Uh, it affects all of us. If you eat, if you shop, if you um, plan on eating dinner tonight, this, this, um, this conversation applies to you. So we hope to cover some news and some biblical principles uh, to give you all some, some thoughts that you can pray about and think about. The title of the uh, show today, the program today, is Genetically Edited Human Beings, Question Mark, Big Problems with Big Food. Before we get into topic number one, a quick reminder, please share the links with your friends on Facebook and on YouTube. We want to get the word out there, so please share the links. <clears throat> First question we're going to discuss is, is it okay to genetically edit humans? And I want to begin <clears throat> the, the, the program by, by reading from a news article like we often do. This is a New York Times article, and our uh, men in the control room may be able to put that up on screen. It's a New York Times article. Uh, in breakthrough, scientists edit a dangerous mutation from genes in human embryos. Actually sounds fairly optimistic, fairly positive. Uh, the scientists are able to edit out a problem, edit out a disease. Uh, the, the article reads as follows. Scientists for the first time have, dis have successfully edited genes in human embryos to repair a common and serious disease-causing mutation, producing apparently healthy embryos according to a paper, a study published on Wednesday. So this is a very uh, recent article. Uh, you know, that, that sounds fantastic, but then what are the consequences? And this is where we'll open it up to the panel here in just a moment. The article continues. But the achievement is also an example of human genetic engineering, once feared and unthinkable, once feared and unthinkable. And it's sure to raise ethical concerns that some might try to design designer babies, with certain traits like greater intelligence, greater athleticism. Uh, the article continues, and I won't read it all, but it even mentions that some people may want to terminate babies in, in the embryonic stage. Uh, some people may design babies or, or humans that would not otherwise uh, be born. There, there's another article I'll reference later where somebody's talking about his brother, and he was born with a defect, and, but he loved his brother, and, and, and in this future world, maybe his brother would have never had a chance uh, for, to live. So, Mr. Weston, <clears throat> Dr. Winnell, some general thoughts first. Uh, genetically modifying embryos and genetically modifying humans. Well, I just mentioned here from a, a USA Today report uh, is, uh, is brought out here that keeping a lid on this technology uh, will be paramount as it is just as potent as it is a potent tool for evil as well as for good. <clears throat> And the point being that almost everything that man has ever done, he has used an evil purpose behind it, uh, as well as a good purpose. We can see, obviously, this is very tantalizing because if you can, if you can stop disease, uh, genetic diseases that are passed on, that sounds very good. 
but what about armies where they uh, have certain strengths? Uh, for example, it brings out here, it, it opens the way for bad actors on the world stage to develop, say, chemical weapons alongside super soldiers resistant to them. And I think if we look at man's history, we have to realize that everything that uh, can be good can also have a, a downside to it. You know, as we've been talking about here, this is a controversial subject uh, and is morally questionable. You know, the scientists in many cases, because they're reading about the scientists, they, they feel it's a very good thing uh, to go in and be able to change a gene, but they can't guarantee they're going to get exactly that gene. And they don't know exactly what's going to happen when you start clipping DNA. Uh, so it's, it's tantalizing. One scientist was saying, you know, it's going to be a long time until they come up with super babies and this and that and the other thing. But if somebody comes up to you and you're a, me a molecular uh, biologist and say, look, I've got $2 million and I'd like this embryo created, that's going to be hard to turn down because the rationale will be, wow, $2 million, I could do a lot of research for that. Um, you know, the Bible talks about... Uh, God intervening in the Tower of Babel. And when you ask why he did that, why he did that, because he saw human society moving in a certain direction he did not want it to go. Now, people say this is just a fairy story, but we're watching things happening today. There are people very concerned about what's happening. Uh, when you start playing around with the DNA, that's going to affect future generations. Uh, this is a very, very touchy subject because nobody knows what's really going to happen. So it's something we've got to be careful about. Uh, it gets into the field of medical ethics. Uh, ethics is something a lot of times that scientists don't talk about, but there are people that are very concerned about ethics. Let's stay on this topic for a minute. Um, actually, you were getting ready to make a comment, Mr. Weston. Do you want to jump yeah, in? Yeah, the, the law of unintended consequences. <clears throat> right. There's a reason why they, they use that expression, because, again, if you look at man's history, they come up with these great ideas, but they don't always work out. They, they solve one problem, and they create another. And we just have no idea what, what may happen with all this. We were talking a little bit before the show about Back in Genesis, we have the, you know, Adam and Eve taking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I, I think it's probably fair to, to acknowledge that many researchers are, are trying to do good. I, I don't think every researcher is trying to create some evil monster uh, human, but a man has taken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then what Dr. Winnell was referencing <clears throat> regarding God looking down upon them at the Tower of Babel and he said, you know, I've got to confuse their language where they'll be able to do anything that they want to put their mind to. And I was going to ask you, Mr. Weston, you were mentioning before the program uh, in Joel, there's that, there's that uh, famous passage, uh, it's sort of a, a prophetic passage, and it's, it's a little, maybe it's a little speculation, but I thought it might be interesting just for you to mention that for our audience, uh, that passage in Joel about the, the day of the Lord and the end time, and what these potentially genetically modified humans, uh, it may be a little glimpse into genetically modified warriors. Maybe not, maybe it's speculation, but did you want to make a comment on that? Well, it isn't just the genetically modified warriors, but uh, the exoskeletons that they have for them and all the, the paraphernalia that they're creating for soldiers for the future. And this is, this is being uh, researched all the time. And then you read there in Joel, it says, uh, before the people writhe in pain, all faces are drained of uh, color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. 
everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks. And they're talking now about soldiers that are so well protected, including if they do get shot, that the body will, uh, chemicals will be uh, put into the body which will repair it very quickly and they can keep on going. So it is rather interesting when you read that. I, I wouldn't want to read too much into the verse, but we really don't know where this is going. It's, it's happening very, very quickly. Right, so you have a lot of potential <laughs> ramifications here, and I think that's one of the uh, things that we want to do on this program, TW Now, is we want to talk about what's happening in the news, but from a biblical perspective, and where we, where we might be speculating a little bit. Uh, as Mr. Weston said, we're not saying that uh, the Joel passage is absolutely about genetically modified humans. We're not even saying it's absolutely about exoskeletons. But it kind of seems suspicious that it might be about one or both of those. And when it talks about them not breaking rank, it talks about them climbing up the walls, uh, are they just highly disciplined, or are they modified mechanically or biologically? Uh, I, back on the ethics, Dr. Winnell, you were mentioning the ethics, and I wanted to reference this and then maybe just throw this question at you <clears throat> regarding the ethics. This is an article, an article from USA Today, I, I believe. Gene editing might mean my brother would ne wouldn't... Uh, sorry, gene editing might mean my brother would have never existed, is the, is the article. And it's actually a very touching article. I won't read really any of it, but, but this gentleman's brother was born with cerebral palsy and, and other problems, and he died as a, in, in a young age, and it's very sad. Uh, we're, all of us, you know, we, we, we're compassionate. We don't want to see people with disease. But the, the, the author was essentially commenting that with genetic sequencing, genetic modification, genetic screening, uh, in a future world... <clears throat> probably his brother would not have been born. So you've got that aspect, and you also have the aspect of designing humans that have you know, certain characteristics. You have a, uh, you know, a medical and a biology background, and you're, you're, you're a minister. Um, <clears throat> what are some of your thoughts regarding uh, where the world could be headed in this regard? I think there's a tendency for human beings to want to play God, that uh, you can have these uh, very altruistic motives I want to save this person. I want to prevent a person from being born that has a certain affliction. Uh, that may be the positive side. But then there's the negative side, that uh, you're going to be killing some live embryos. Uh, I don't know that that's our prerogative, but we, we may want to play that way. So we've got to be very careful with these things. You know, Jeremiah 17.9 talks about there's a way that seems right uh, to a person uh, and a way that leads to death. Uh, Adam and Eve were tempted to do one thing or do another thing, and it was a good side, it was a bad side. So we've got to be very careful with these technologies uh, and making decisions about human pe people's human lives. That do you envision <clears throat> a genetic, here's a real speculation, do you envision genetic uh, sequencing and genetic modification in the millennium, in the kingdom of God? I, I think about the, the <clears throat> blessings that the Bible discusses, you know, when it's perfect rule of Christ and his law, and in Acts, the restoration of all things, uh, I would think that would mean generally, you know, health and, and uh, uh, godly farming and agriculture and food production. Uh, but then, of course, you have these benefits that, that science and medicine <clears throat> can provide. Right. But, you know, when they brought uh, children to Christ that had certain afflictions, he didn't say, well, we will genetically modify that person. He healed the person. Uh, so God has ways of working that, that we don't. 
And I think this whole thing about we can develop uh, cures for this or cures for that, you know, they don't know exactly what's going to happen. They talk about a genetic scissors where you go in and you just cut out one gene. Well, you take out one, they don't know how it's going to affect other genes. So these things appear to be on the surface having some very exciting possibilities. But there are other people, even in the scientific community, are not quite convinced that it's quite that precise. I think another thing you have to look at, they do talk about safeguards. They do talk about how they can be more precise about these things. But as more individuals get involved, we know that in all realms of life, some people are better at things than others. And all it takes is one scientist who doesn't know what he's doing to make a mistake someplace along the line. And sooner or later, that's going to happen. And when it does happen, uh, we, we just have no idea what the consequences may be. A lot of unintended consequences, like you were mentioning earlier, and then, and then just people who just want to be evil, use it for evil. That's right. Let's move on to the second topic, which has to do with farming and, uh, and, and uh, farming practices. I actually think this is a really exciting topic. Now, for those of you out there who are not farmers, uh, stay with us, because this gets to economics, the way of give, the way of get, uh, global economy, and, and there's some, some uh, just serious things going on right now in the, in, in the news <coughs> with agriculture. I want to introduce the topic by referencing a, a Reuters article that was fairly recent. This is an article from Reuters uh, talking about the title is Drifting Crop Chemical Deals Double Whammy to U.S. Uh, farmers. Now, again, if you're not a farmer <clears throat> and you think, well, this doesn't apply to me, it does. It does. When the price of food goes up or when there's food shortages or when your health is affected or cancer is just spiraling out of control, uh, those are things that will affect, will affect you. They will affect all of us. So I, I don't want to pick on any particular company <coughs> or, 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 or farming technique, but uh, to read from the article, <clears throat> it's talking about this, this, this drifting uh, chemical that was applied uh, throughout the United States to many farms. And it said that it was supposed to help with the plant production. But instead, farmers reported the agricultural chemical was drifting into neighboring fields and damaging crops that were unable to resist it. Now, this is happening literally now. This, this was, was within the last couple of weeks <clears throat> uh, throughout the United States. Last month, in response to the reports, Arkansas and Missouri temporarily banned its use. Now, where does a lot of our food come from? Well, Brazil and South America, but Arkansas, Missouri, Nebraska. Continuing on. How big is this problem? How big is this problem? Crops have suffered damage across much of the farm belt. Governments in 17 states are investigating more than 1,400 complaints of the, this problem. I won't name the name of the, the chemical. And that is, uh, those complaints involve an area of 2.5 million acres, 2.5 million acres of farmland that's been harmed uh, throughout you know, the, the central United States. So, yes, accidental, I'm sure, but when you read the rest of the, of the articles, uh, fa the fact is the, 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 the large companies sort of push through some of the testing. So what I'd like to just talk about briefly is the general question uh, about food production in the United States, uh, farming practices. Uh, can we maybe start generally? What are, what are some of the problems you see in the world today, tying that into news and, and scripture regarding farming practices and food production? 
Well, with food production today, we're into um, factory farming. We're into monoculture, where we're using huge fields uh, to raise a particular crop. Whenever you, you know, if you were a potato bug got into a, a, a field of potatoes that might go for as far as you can see, you think, wow, look at all that. Um, normally in nature, you don't find things like that. But whenever we, when, whenever we try and manufacture, whether it's uh, animals, uh, raising chickens, raising cattle and feedlots or things like that, you're, you're, you're cramming things together. And uh, it, it's not a very stable situation. A lot of people are into uh, are looking at what's called sustainable agriculture, where you small you you manufa- you you work on your fields in a smaller way, and you have uh, natural checks and balances. Uh, if we get away from these things, and you look at the uh, way that things are being done today with the factory farming methods, you're, we're opening ourselves up to liabilities. You know, it's interesting that uh, in, in the uh, book of Josephus, the historian Josephus speaks of the way of Cain, a reference there that we read uh, later on in scripture in, in the book of Jude, it speaks of the way of Cain. And, and the way of Cain, he describes as forcing the ground. Now, we have no idea what that means back at that time, but the, the point is it was a, a way of greed, a way of trying to get more from, uh, from what the, the land would naturally produce. So we have things, such things as uh, frankenfish. I'll bring that out at this time. Uh, salmon now are being genetically uh, altered by taking the gene of an eel and inserting it in there because the Atlantic salmon only grows in the summer. And the, with this uh, eel gene along with a, a Chinook salmon gene, uh, putting it in there, it will cause it to put on weight year-round. But there are consequences, and there are studies showing that this could be a disaster if they get out into the general population. Of course, they always have safeguards. But here again, uh, your example at the beginning of these uh, crops being destroyed, they, they get permission. The government says, oh, it's okay, it's safe, but it's always the law of unintended consequences. <clears throat> Things happen when man starts messing around with nature. And uh, based on, I would argue, based on greed, based exactly. on greed, uh, the maximum, I think, Dr. Renault, you were mentioning, uh, or maybe Mr., I think both of you were mentioning uh, just some anecdotes from, you know, from years past about farming techniques, trying to get the most uh, out of your, whether it's fattening cattle or running cattle through a <clears throat> processing, um, you know, a feedlot and so forth, but it's the way of greed. Uh, did you want to add any... Oh, I, I can mention that. I, I'd heard decades ago that uh, the, the universities had come up with a great idea. A certain amount of protein goes through the cow, and so they could take the manure, process it, sterilize it, and put it back into the cattle feed. And I always wondered about that, and so I have a, a farmer friend in, in South Carolina that I asked about it, and I said, is that true? And he said, absolutely. He said that is why he didn't go into business with his father who had a feedlot. And he said it's not done much anymore because they, they don't put on enough uh, weight quickly enough. And so they, uh, they've decided that it, it's not a good practice. But can you imagine taking the manure and feeding it to cattle? Just like when they put protein, animal protein, into the cattle feed, BSE, or mad cow disease is a result of it. Man's greed trying to force things that uh, were never intended. 
uh, we were talking about Leviticus chapter 25, uh, talks about uh, land rest, to rest the land every seven years. And that would seem un, just uh, unrealistic, impossible. Uneconomical. Uneconomical. <laughs> but I wonder if we rested the land, this is just you know, my, my question, my speculation, if we rested the land, that's a, a godly principle, and the land could heal, I wonder if we would produce more, I wonder if we would produce healthier, and I wonder if so many uh, diseases would be prevented because the crops would be stronger, and then the food that we eat, you know, what we eat, wh- how we're nourished as humans, we would be stronger. Uh, did God intend for us to have so many diseases? Uh, no, but uh, we're breaking, you know, principle after principle after principle, and whether it's the seven-year land rest or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, anyways, you know, m- manipulating uh, fish and so forth, uh, we're, we're violating so many principles that I think we're kind of digging a hole that we're not going to get out of until Christ returns. <clears throat> the, um, the, there was another article on the same topic, uh, which is a really just, <clears throat> it's almost like a, a spy movie or a thriller movie, uh, Inside the Secret World of Global Food Spies, August the 6th from Bloomberg News. And we were talking about uh, this type of, of, of uh, topic earlier, uh, where there's so much food fraud or fraud in the food chain. Uh, and, and it's easy to, to, to beat up on certain com- companies or large large corporations, or even certain countries. China shows up in this report as being uh, a country that needs to do better, but so does the United States. So does the United States. And so a couple quotes from this article, Inside the Secret World of Food Spies, this researcher said, statistically, we're uncovering fraud about 70% of the time in the food supply. In other words, 70% of the time, what they're feeding the animals, the, the chemicals they're using, or the ingredients, ingredients they're using are not what they should be or what they claim. Uh, later in the article, uh, they, they mention examples of rat meat being substituted in for what people think is, is lamb or mutton. Uh, just, just terrible, just disgusting. Uh, here at the back of the article, or toward the end of the article, I want to mention one, uh, one statistic, just to put some, some numbers around it. <clears throat> at Interpol, and I'm cutting into this, this article, <clears throat> at Interpol, this certain person who is a former detective at Scotland Yard, he was involved in this big uh, global sting operation a couple years ago to deal with food fraud. <clears throat> they, Interpol, seized more than 10,000 tons and 1 million liters of hazardous and fake food and drink from more than 50 countries. Hmm. And that's what we're producing and that's what we're eating. And so the economics of, of greed, I think, is, is, uh, is a topic you know, there. So my, my question for you, gentlemen, uh, before we, we, we continue on, is you know the practices today? I want to come back to the practices. Um, are our practices harming us individually, and are our practices harming us as a society? And what are some biblical you know principles or thoughts or scriptures that we could we could we could look to? Well, I think one scripture is you shall not bear false witness, mm-hmm. but look at all the all the false witness we have out there. I'll just give a very quick anecdote. I was on a plane here the other day, and they served us little uh, uh, biscuits or cookies, and I noticed on it, it said, uh, contains non 
GMO ingredients. And I thought, okay, that's interesting, but I've become very skeptical, so I read the ingredients and I found that it had soy oil in it, or potentially. Well, if you know anything about soybeans, they're almost always genetically modified. And so I thought about what it said again. And what did it say? Contains non-GMO ingredients. It doesn't say everything is non-GMO in it. It's just that there are ingredients, maybe the salt, uh, maybe some other ingredient there that is not GMO. But half of it could be or three-quarters of it could be. So it shows the deception that's out there. And the, the, the public uh, just buys this stuff. It's uh, all natural. Well, natural means absolutely nothing. It can be anything. Arsenic is, is natural. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, hemlock is natural. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, as Mr. Weston was mentioning the uh, Ninth Commandment, that thou shalt not bear false witness. As we move away from these fundamental values, maybe into a philosophy as opposed to a religious value, that's right or wrong, then this begins to permeate not only our advertising, it permeates manufacturing processes. It'd be interesting to identify the source that uh, where all these fake foods are coming from. Uh, you know, we're concerned about GMOs, but if you're living in that country, you're concerned about fake wine, you're concerned about fake meat, you're concerned about fake this and fake that. Uh, Contam this is the world that we're living contaminated, in. Contaminated, uh, anything from contaminated baby formula to, right. To, right. To, to fake chocolate or fake wine. Uh, how much does greed play into this? Well, there are billions and millions, millions and billions of dollars involved. And if you can make that doing something at the expense of something else, it goes into your pocket and you don't worry about those things. But this is the world we're living in. This is not God's world. When you throw God out of the picture, who's to decide these things? And uh, people just simply don't know what the Ten Commandments are, much less what they say. And they, if, if I, it'll do me some good, that's great. I think we were talking earlier, and uh, somebody was mentioning uh, back in uh, Deuteronomy, you know, where uh, Israel basically said, we don't want God to rule over us anymore. And God warned Israel, and he essentially said, if you appoint a king over you, he's going to, you know, he's going to, recruit your, your sons for the, the military, he's going to tax you, and he's going to do this and that. And that whole worldly system is based on, uh, on, on a lot of it's based on greed and enriching oneself. And uh, I, I think we see probably that has, has gotten a little bit out of control. And people nowadays, you know, I, I saw a news article, I think it was Gwyneth Paltrow, I'm pretty sure it was her, and uh, she was uh, really pushing uh, natural food and non-GMO and so forth, and she was very you know, much a proponent of that, which I, I, I think is fine if you can, especially if you can afford it, not everybody can afford it, and that's one of the, mm -hmm. the arguments, not everybody can afford, you know, if you live in certain parts of Africa or Asia, you care less about genetic, genetically modified food, more about just food, just having food. But um, people were m making fun of her, and I don't know her heart, but they were making fun of her, and they were saying, well, you know, you're this rich, wealthy uh, actress, and what do you know? Um, but uh, you know, again, I don't know her heart, but she uh, was advocating for food that is not modified, doesn't have lots of additives, chemicals, and so forth, uh, because she feels it's healthier. And she was advocating against, you know, large, large pharma and large uh, food manufacturing. So in the kingdom, I think, you know, we, we know that God's going to solve these problems other ways uh, through 
through what? You know, rain in due season and not so much through, through uh, forcing the land like you were bringing out. Did, did, did you gentlemen want to move on? Uh, the, the, the next topic is you are, uh, you are what you eat. Really fascinating. I think it, it, it ties right into that. Dr. Rennell, you've written on this a lot, and I kind of wanted to turn it over to you maybe just for some comments <clears throat> about clean, unclean foods and, and um, why did God put those health laws in effect? I think it's interesting. The Bible does talk about clean and unclean foods, and most people are aware of those things. Uh, God created some animals to be eaten, and he created other animals for ecological reasons. You know, um, <clears throat> animals that, that consume um, grass, that consume uh, plant products, uh, are... <clears throat> we're, Ruminants. Ruminants, right. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're there for ecological reasons. We can't sit down and have a beautiful dinner of grass. It just doesn't work for us. But a cow can do that all day long. Sheep can do that. Other animals can do that. So they can produce milk. They can produce food, uh, meat that we can consume. So God has created animals to be able to utilize the environment. Other animals uh, were created to do other things. You know, I've used this example numerous times. The clams and oysters, they sit on the bottom of estuaries. And they just sit there and they go... <laughs> And they suck up whatever comes by, bacteria, viruses. They were not created to be eaten. They were created to purify the water. So God has purposes for these things. But what's also interesting, God makes instructions in the Bible of not eating fat or blood. You find this in Leviticus uh, chapter 3. In Proverbs, it talks about if you're going to eat honey, it's good, but you only eat a little bit of it. So you don't eat a whole lot of things like that. Proverbs talks about don't eat too much. Now, we've been talking about genetically um, engineered food and so on. But the Bible talks about not eating so much. You know, we've got 70% of Americans are overweight. About 40% of Americans are obese. And these are conditions that lead to heart disease, that lead to diabetes. Uh, we don't exercise very much. So these are conditions that are affecting literally millions of people. And I think this is just as big a situation as genetically modified foods. It's what we eat is how we turn out. If you go through a grocery store, that's where food is supposed to be, but there are whole sections of it that really are non-food items. Uh, all the soft drinks that are nothing but empty calories and, and have good taste. Uh, Dr. Nail, by the way, wrote this article, Do You Really Want to Eat Him or Eat That?, and it's a very good article. If you haven't had a chance to, uh, to read it, I, I suggest that you do so. Uh, but he, he talks about not eating the cleanup crew. And I think that that was a very good way to put it because uh, a lot of this stuff, that's what, what it does. Mm -hmm. Let me stay on that, <clears throat> that topic for a little bit and um, come back to both you men. Uh, in Dr. Rennell's article, and we've all you know, talked about this from time to time, but Dr. Rennell has written on this a number of times. Uh, back to the clean, unclean foods uh, animals briefly. And I do want to come back to gluttony and, and, okay. and, and as well later, because you're, you're right. Uh, in Proverbs, it talks about, uh, it, it uh, says gluttony and, and, and um, alcoholism and drunkenness are about you know, equally uh, dangerous and, and harmful. But you talk about uh, animals that have four-chambered stomachs convert grass to, you know, to, to food for them and nourishment mm -hmm. for them. 
and th- how that you know that grass is not necessarily nur- you know nourishment for us. You don't like grass. That's right. <laughs> it's not it's not very tasty. Um, and I think maybe there's a couple comments I'd like you to, to 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 make if you don't mind me. You know, but one would be why? What's the health benefits? Because I think sometimes people look at the Old Testament and they say God just said don't eat stuff. You know, but it's tasty. It's it's it, it tastes good. And God's just being, you know, mean, basically. I think some people, but there's health benefits. And then the other uh, thing I'd like you to comment on or, 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 or topic is just sort of the economics of it. I, I'm personally interested in the economics of it. You know, if we go out and try to eat grass, it doesn't work economically either, you know, from a production point of view. Do you want to spend a minute just for our audience on, on, on discussing that? One of the reasons that God says don't eat certain things, especially unclean foods, The unclean animals tend to carry parasites. They are uh, instruments in spreading infectious disease. So if you don't eat those things, then you're not going to be exposed to various viruses, parasites, and whatever. The clean animals tend to work very well in terms of the ecology. Uh, They're able to convert food to food that we can consume, such as meat, such as milk. Uh, <clears throat> I think the more we can work with the plants and the animals the way God made them as opposed to trying to change them and do a lot of other things, there's a lot of health benefits that come from just doing things God's way. These, these are not old-fashioned things. You, know, you can read in, I think it's in, in um, Hosea chapter 8 where it says, God says, I've given them my laws and they say they're strange. There's something weird about this. If you tell people today that you don't eat unclean foods, it's kind of like, well, don't you know that's Old Testament? You don't have to do that stuff. That we're all free to eat whatever we want to eat. No. You know, when Christ died on the cross, uh, he did not abolish the biological laws that still operate on our bodies. They're still the same. Uh, you know, he did away with the sacrificial things that they had to do, but he didn't change the biology. He didn't change anything like that. Uh, a parasite is still a parasite. It's still conveyed by certain organisms. That's, that hasn't changed. So there's a lot of benefits just by doing it. You know, David says in the Psalms, he says, you know, teach me, God, show me uh, the wisdom that's in your word. And if we just be humble enough to do that and say, look, God says it, now let's look at the reasons why, as opposed to saying, well, we don't have to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a cop-out. Well, well said. And, and then we go down this path of science trying to manipulate the, the, the ecology, genetics, and so forth, and we're really just fighting against uh, God's natural laws that would be for our benefit, which I think, Mr. Weston, you were bringing up the, uh, the way of Cain, and isn't it really sort of going back to that principle that man is striving against what God, you know, the, the principles God put in place that work? Uh, did you want to add any uh, to this, uh, this topic? Well, Dr. Renale actually had a great segue to the next section, mm-hmm. but I did want to add a, a story here that, uh, a true story. I, I uh, knew this young fellow. He was about 10 years of age, and his, he wasn't eating the hot dog at school, and his teacher asked him, uh, his name really was Johnny, said, uh, Johnny, why aren't you eating your hot dog? And, and uh, don't you feel well? And he said, no, he felt fine. And she said, why aren't you eating your hot dog? He said, because it has pork in it. Uh, he had grown up understanding these laws of clean and unclean meats. And she said, uh, well, what's wrong with that? And he said, well, pork has worms. And she said, oh, Johnny, don't you know if you, if you uh, uh, cook the, 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 uh, the meat, it'll kill the worms? And he said, yeah, but I don't like eating dead worms. <laughs> now, how do, you, how do you 
argue with a 10-year-old who has that kind of wisdom. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that actually, we've got questions coming in, and we'll, we'll, I'll mention one question now. We'll try to come back to questions in a moment. But one of the questions on Facebook <clears throat> is basically, is it okay to eat animals that are mixed with un other animals that are unclean? And I, I think what they're what they're meaning is like genetically spliced or something. Mm -hmm. It's it's an it's a it's a good question, and that's a question <coughs> we wouldn't have had to ask twenty years ago, right? Twenty years ago, the question would be if if if, if hamburger you know beef hamburgers mixed with pork, should you eat it? Well, no, but it's a different question. I want to real quickly uh, ask everybody on on Facebook to share the the post. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us. We've got uh, people, I won't name all the countries, uh, but people from literally all around the world. So thank you for joining us for this conversation. We're talking about food laws, agriculture, things that relate to our health. Um, we have questions coming in. One of the questions, which again, will we'll, we'll take time later, will science um, uh, f uh, further... Uh, will, will, there, will there be further manipulation on human beings, and will that also uh, be applied to the human mind? Will there be manipulation of the human mind? And so just interesting questions out there. Uh, I want to move on, though, Mr. <coughs> Weston. You said it was a good segue, and it really is. The question we want to discuss now is, is we want to talk about some scriptures. There's some misunderstood uh, scriptures. And, you know, doesn't the New Testament basically say you can eat anything? Dr. Winnell uh, had a great quote there. He said, when Jesus Christ was nailed to the stake or the cross, that doesn't mean that all the, the health laws that God changed them. You know, unclean food is still unclean food. If you eat, uh, you know, I used Hemlock as an example, it's still going to harm you or kill you. But there are some, some, some scriptures that people have, uh, you know, honest questions about. I think one of them is in Mark chapter 5. Um, chapter 7. Ch yeah. Chapter 7, yeah. verse yeah. 5. Uh, do you want to just take that, Mr. Weston? And we were uh, uh, give you a second to turn over there to Mark sure. chapter uh, seven, verse five, I believe. But I think that's where Peter was mentioning uh, or what was meant by uh, the unwashed hands. Sorry, right comment. Uh, if if you look at this particular passage, a lot of people say that this says that uh, Jesus declared all meats clean. In fact, a lot of the translations in verse nineteen. This is Mark seven nineteen. Uh, he says, because it does not enter the heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. It's talking about the fact that the body processes foods, but what is the, what is the subject? And when we look at the, the context of it, he's talking about, uh, going back to the very beginning, eating with unwashed hands. Uh, verse 3, washing their hands, he mentions, holding the traditions of the elders. These aren't the laws of God of the Old Testament that are given there, or the laws of God in general, but the traditions of the elders. And he keeps talking about washing and unwashed and all that sort of thing. And he says, look, what the big problem is what goes into your heart, uh, not what goes into your mouth. But it's interesting that in the parallel account in Matthew, the 15th chapter, in verse 15, it says, Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. He understood that this was a parable that Jesus was speaking there. And he said, We don't understand what you're saying. And so then Jesus explains that again. And he ends in verse 20, it says, These are the things... Uh, you know, murder, adultery, etc., which defile the man, but to eat with uh, 
uh, unwashed hands does not defile man. So it's very clear that the subject is not clean and unclean meats. It never mentions clean and unclean meats in this. It's always about eating with unwashed hands. And he's simply saying that, look, if you pick up an apple without washing your hands, the body will take care of the little bit of dirt that might be on it. It might be a good practice to wash your hands, but it was not something that the, the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees had these uh, strict rules about doing that. And I, th I think this is also uh, very good, if you don't mind me taking a little bit more time. Uh, it, it, it leads right over to Acts, the 10th chapter, because that's another passage that people uh, turn to. And it's interesting because, remember, Peter was the one that asked the question, what do you mean by this parable? And so what did Peter take away from that Mark 7 or Matthew 15? What did he take away when Jesus said, thus purifying all foods or cleansing, so forth? Uh, when we read the 10th chapter of Acts, and he sees this sheet let down with all these animals on it and says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He says, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. So Obviously, Peter didn't say, oh, well, Jesus clean, uh, cleansed everything, so now I can go out and, and uh, uh, eat anything I want to. So I, I'll let uh, Dr. Winnale, uh <coughs> go on with uh, Acts 10, what the real explanation <coughs> is there. Okay, in Acts 10, you've got these, the sheet coming down three times, and Peter tells, uh, uh, mentions that he's, he's uh, <coughs> never eaten anything which are pictured in that sheet. Uh, and he had actually been with Jesus Christ for about three and a half years. So you would think that if it's okay to eat these things that were unclean, that uh, Christ must have told him that during that three and a half year period in which he was trained, but he wasn't told that. Anyways, it mentions a couple times here, I got Acts chapter 10. When I think later, uh, he, Peter even, kind of answers the well, question himself, he, right? he answers the question himself. He said he thought on these things. And then uh, whenever he, uh, where do we go here? 28, let's see, 28. 28. Yeah. 28. So God has shown yeah. me, and this was after he, he, he got the whole picture that Cornelius came and he realized he's a Gentile, and Peter was under the impression that at that time Gentiles were unclean. And, but then uh, Cornelius mentions he had a vision too and was guided to Peter. So when Peter puts all this to together, he says, God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. This was the point of this whole section of Scripture, not to say that we could eat unclean foods. Uh, the example that was being used, a Gentile was referred to as unclean at that time. And Peter came to the conclusion when he saw the whole big picture that he should not be calling any other human being uh, unclean. I think it goes back to really this underlying principle. <clears throat> God's way is a way of, of love and a way of law. And we'll often reference 1 John 5, 3, this is the love of God, we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Nothing in God's law is really a burden. Uh, the... the um, you know, the Jews were adding to, and they were uh, burdening themselves in, in lots of ways, adding to God's law. They're, uh, you know, but God's law is not a burden. Uh, eating uh, healthy, clean food is not a burden. It will help keep you right. healthy. Um, 
you know, uh, resting on the Sabbath is not a burden. It's, it's, it's <clears throat> letting the land rest every seven years is not a burden. And uh, Peter was maybe just a little looking at things through, um, you know, originally through this uh, Jewish tradition and not necessarily uh, as Christ intended. And he, uh, as you said in Acts chapter 10, you know, the, 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 the lesson there is, is really clear. Uh, Peter learned the lesson that God showed him, don't call people unclean. But it wasn't that you know Peter went out and ate a lobster or 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 pig uh, because of that 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 lesson. That's not the lesson Peter took away. It's not the lesson God intended us to learn from that. Yeah, this is the tragedy I think of modern Christianity or what passes as modern Christianity. That there was uh, you know a movement in the second century as Gentiles were coming into the church to do away with anything that appeared to be Jewish, and they wanted to put distance between themselves as they viewed themselves as Christian and Jewish practices. I want to mention one other scripture in uh, 1 Timothy 4, because I was actually listening to a preacher explain this. And he goes to 1 Timothy 4. He said, you know, some of you in my congregation have gotten into these Old Testament laws, and uh, you think you have to follow them, but you know you really don't. And he started reading in 1 Timothy 4. He says, the Spirit, the Spirit expressly says in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. So he's saying at the end of the age, some people are going to be into celibacy. And yet that is not God's way. Uh, and commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to be uh, received with thanksgiving. He's really talking about vegetarianism here, not talking about uh, uh, the, the meats. He says, for every creature, and if you read this in other translations, everything of God is good and nothing to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving before, because it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. There is no place in Scripture where God sanctifies clean, excuse me, uh, sanctifies unclean foods to eat. It's just not there. You know, but this is one of the scriptures that is used by preachers that say, well, we don't have to follow these Old Testament laws, which God gave out of love so that we wouldn't get into trouble. Um, you know, it says sanctified by the word of God in prayer. <laughs> and oftentimes people say, well, as long as you pray over it, it's okay. But sanctify means to set apart. And so these foods are set apart uh, by the Word of God. And, and what does the Word of God actually tell us about clean and unclean meats? I might also mention over in Revelation, the 18th chapter, because if everybody thinks that Christ did away with the laws of clean and unclean, uh, here it speaks of Babylon, the great fallen, is fallen, is fallen, has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now this was the Apostle John recording this, and he's saying at the very end of the book of, of Revelation here, just a, a few chapters from the end, he, he's saying that there is such a thing as an unclean and hated bird. Right. So that concept of unclean <clears throat> all the way through all to the, way the through. end of the New Testament. Um, want to begin to wrap up, <clears throat> and but I want to ask you gentlemen to maybe uh, make some comments. Uh, what can people do today? I, I think it's important for us. We're not going to try to give them a, a complete plan for diet and shopping and economics. But we've covered a lot. You know, we talked about the fact that the world is, uh, the, the, the world systems are, are built on greed and, and, and uh, th that affects food supply. And there's, 
that we, we talked about genetics, we talked about agriculture, uh, we talked about clean, unclean foods. Maybe some of our viewers out there are not familiar with that. We covered a lot. And so I guess what I'd like to just ask maybe as we begin to wrap up is what is a point or two we can leave our audience with for those who are listening and they're saying to themselves, you know, I want to study more. I want to live God's way. I want to do a little better spiritually and my relationship with God. But frankly, I want to take care of my health as well. Um, but, you know, what, what, what do I do? What's, just to, could you gentlemen make some, some comments and practical thoughts for some of our audience? Well, I think the first thing is that people need to be savvy buyers. They, they need to be aware of the deceptions that are out there. The fact of the matter is that none of us can have absolutely <clears throat> a pure food supply. It just is not going to happen in our modern world. But we can strive to do that. We can read labels. The problem that we come up with on so much of this, like the, uh, the frankenfish I was talking about, uh, they're not going to label it. You can talk to the butcher or whoever it is about it. But there's so much deception out there. I, I think praying thy kingdom come is, is, is ultimately the answer <clears throat> for it. And uh, without God's kingdom, uh, we're, we're going to have some problems. And I think it's also good to know that God created our bodies pretty miraculously. And in spite of all this stuff, we do live a good long life. And we need to focus, as Jesus said about the unwashed hands, you need to focus on the things that come out of the heart of man and do the best we can physically, but concentrate on the important things. You know, what Mr. Weston was talking about really is consumer health. You know, I've taught classes in that where you just got to be a wise consumer. Uh, you, <laughs> You've got to be defensive. You talk about defensive driving. You have to do defensive buying in the same way. Another thing, just some practical things, is to eat natural foods as, as closely as you can. Stay away from highly processed foods. And don't eat as much. <laughs> don't eat as much. And get physical exercise. These are just very basic things. I think everybody's looking for a magic ingredient. If I just had eat this magic ingredient, then nothing else matters. And I think we can also blame the agribusiness. Well, there's all these chemicals they're putting in, but then we don't have to look in the mirror mm -hmm. <laughs> and do anything about what we eat or do anything about our lack of exercise. But if we can stay natural as much as possible. I, I thank both you men for the uh, the conversation. This time, it we... Went pretty, we went kind of long. I hope that our audience didn't mind. Uh, I enjoyed listening to you men, and um, I hope this was helpful for our audience. So what I want to tell everybody out there is go to tomorrowsworld.org, uh, search our website, share the, the uh, TW Now program with your friends, and please join us every Thursday. Uh, God willing, uh, every Thursday we'll be online live on Facebook and YouTube at 3 o'clock Eastern. So until then, we will... Uh, see you next Thursday, 3 o'clock Eastern.